Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. The scripture we're reading from is Luke 8, 40 through 56, and we're going to be reading from the English Standard Version. This is the first time I'm speaking from this uh Version, but before we st- get started on the scripture, let me give you a little context of where we're at. Uh, so, Jesus has just got done. Um, it said casting out an evil spirit um, from a possessed man. So he just got done casting out a, a demon, and this is in, in the middle of his ministry. So basically, right now, Jesus is a superstar. Everybody knows who Jesus is. Like everybody is aware of the miracles he performs. Everybody's aware that there's something different about this man. And so he just got done casting out an evil spirit and says that he's on his way to Capernaum. So what's special about Capernaum is that Jesus spent his adult life in Capernaum. You see, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, where we all know that, and then he grew up in Nazareth, but he spent his adult life in Capernaum. And so everybody knows who Jesus is in this area. Everybody knows him. They grew up with him, or, they, or, or they, they knew him before his ministry started. So he's going back to a familiar place where everybody knows who he is. So that's where we pick up um, in Luke 8, verse 40 through 56, and it reads this. It says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And, they, and there came a man named Jairus, I hope I'm saying his name right, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had, on, he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the, crowd, the crowds surround you and, and are pressing in on you. What Peter was telling Jesus is like, hey, dude, people are like all trying to touch you and try like, there, a dozens of people are touching you right now and you're asking that question. Like there's no way like 20 people just touch you just now. That's what Peter is saying. Verse 46 Said, but Jesus said, someone touch me, for I per- perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, and now she had been, and how she had been immediately healed. And he, said to her, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Verse 49, we're almost done. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be healed. When he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter, John, and James, and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for, is she, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. Let me just stop, talk about a little bit. Like, if Jesus was laughed at for his faith, who knows we are going to be laughed at too, right? And it almost gets me to a point where I'm thinking, you know what? I kind of want to have that kind of faith that is so big 
and so impactful that when I speak it, people get a smirk in their face saying, I don't know about that, right? Who knows? We need that kind of risky faith to change the world, right? First thing, don't let people mock you out of your miracle, okay? Don't let people fake you out of your faith, all right? Just stand firm to who you are and believe God is going to do something. I know that was a little quick talk right there, but anyways, like if Jesus was laughed at, who knows we're going to be laughed at as well, right? But let's just push through it. Let's not people mock us out of our miracle. I think too many people speak faith and then people ridicule them and they go back into their corner, right? Let's step out for Jesus because if Jesus got a pushback, who knows we're going to get a pushback too. But if Jesus can do it, so can we. Verse uh, 54, it says, but taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise, and her spirit returned. And she got up at once, and he directed that somebody should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he, he charged them to tell no one what had happened. I want you to turn to your neighbor tonight and say the title of tonight's message, The Faith Format. The Faith Format. With that being said, let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit is going to move in this place. I thank you, Father, that uh, I'm just going to be obedient to your voice. I'm just going to be your willing vessel in your hands and your feet. Father, I thank you for open minds and soft hearts, God, in this place. And I thank you, Father, for just your spirit uh, moving. And I thank you, Father, for a miracle happening tomorrow. And it's going to be 75 degrees and cloudy and maybe windy. I don't know. And the same. Amen. So, about, about this time last year, uh, we took our youth group, Legacy, uh, to Six Flags, uh, Fiesta, Texas, and it was a fun time. And uh, let me give a quick plug. Uh, if you know anybody who is in uh, high school, is in that age to be at Legacy, encourage them to go. Because let me tell you something, we have built such an awesome culture of this inclusion in that place that sometimes you just need to put somebody in the right environment to watch them blossom, right? So let me encourage you, if you know somebody young, push them into legacy, because I'm telling you, what Caleb Rivera has done in that place is awesome, and I really believe that it can change young lives. So I encourage you, man, if you know somebody in that age range, get them to legacy, get them in the house of God, and watch their lives change. Amen? That was a quick plug. But anyways, we were, we, were, we were going to Fiesta, Texas, and we went to Six Flags, and we had a fun time. And um, I always wanted a driver, so I drove a few guys. And so we're on our way back. And we're on our way back uh, to Victoria. And, you know, I check uh, my vehicle. You know where it shows, like, how many miles you have left before you're empty? So I looked at the GPS, and it said, you know, 85 miles. And I looked at my, uh, by my gas tank, and it said, like, you know, 100 miles. I said, you know what? I don't need to gas up, you know. I don't need to. Like, I know my car, it's going to last. Like, we're going to get to the church. We're going to get to, to uh, Victoria. And so anyways, that's what I thought. You know, I said, you know, I don't want to spend any more money. You know, I don't want to spend any money from the, you know, uh, I don't want to make the church buy any more gas and you know, things like that. I was trying to be, uh, you know, helpful. And so we're driving back, and Siri goes crazy on us. I mean, Siri, God bless her, she goes crazy. You know, Siri's giving me directions. And so... Siri is directing us home. You know, who, who's thankful for Siri, but also who does not like Siri sometimes as far as directions? Let me, like, when I first started driving, I loved Siri so much. Like, she never failed me. Recently, she's been failing me. I don't know what's happened. Maybe it's Apple. Who knows? 
I don't know what's going on. But anyway, Siri starts going crazy on us and takes us down, like, the back roads. I'm talking about the roads with, like, those old farm roads that has no center stripe. Like, you can barely fit one vehicle on there, let alone two. You know what I'm talking about? So she's taking me down these crazy roads. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I look, and I look at my phone, and it says, you know, uh, 20 miles there. And I look, and I had, like, 22 miles of my gas. And so, Lord Jesus. I'm like, we're in the middle of nowhere. I say, God, please do not let this happen. So I'm not really trying to trip because I got guys, youth in the back. So I'm not saying anything. I'm saying, hey, you know what, God, we're going to make it. Well, anyway, Siri is still going crazy. She's like, she takes us on this other back road. I don't know what's good. I think she was possessed that night. I don't know what happened. Uh, so she's taking us down these back roads, and we're going. And all of a sudden, like, I look, and it, like, it says, I look, and, it, and I check the phone again. It says 20 miles still. I say, what? It's been like 10 minutes. And then I look at my gas, and it says 15 miles left. I said, Lord Jesus, now it's time to pray. So, like, I'm looking at my guys. I'm like, okay, guys, like, uh, the guy in the back, I said, hey, bro, find a gas station. Like, we need to gas up because now it looks like we're not going to have enough gas. So he's looking. He's like, he's like oh, oh, I can't find one. We have no service out here. I'm like, oh, no. And so we're, like, freaking out. It's pitch black. And, like, the guys in the back are saying, oh, I think this is where they saw a, a crazy killer clown last year. I was like, dude, shut up. I was like, now's not the time to talk about killer clowns. Like, I'm, I don't want to die tonight. So they're, like, they're freaking out in the back, and they're scaring me, and, you know, I'm trying to keep my cool. And so he looks at the, at the gas station. He's like, oh, there's one, you know, uh, eight miles away. And I look, and we have, like, eight miles of gas left. And I'm like, God, we can do this. We can do this. Well, all of a sudden, it's, about, it's been about five minutes. I'm like, hey, dude, how far away are we? He's like, oh, it still says eight miles. I'm like, oh, my gosh, eight miles still? So that's not physically possible. We've been driving for like five minutes. And so I look at my gas, and it says like two miles left, and we still have like five miles to go. And so I'm like, Lord Jesus. And so I'm like, you know, it's like, you know what, guys? I'm done playing games. I said, y'all, start, you know, praying, start speaking in tongues. I'm going to start speaking in tongues. We're praying. Like, we're going to get to that gas station. And uh, so we all just, I said, guys, let's just start praying. So we all start praying. You know, I'm speaking in tongues. They're speaking in tongues. And we're just praying. And I look at my, my uh, gas, it says zero miles. We still have, like, three miles to go. Um, I don't know if you all have ever run out of gas, but you know when you push the gas pedal and nothing's happening? I'm pushing the gas, and nothing's happening. It's not accelerating. I said, Jesus, not today. And so I remember feeling that, and the guys are all praying back. I said, no. Nah. So I just went, you know, hit the new level. I was like, guys, keep on praying. And so it was going, and I'm telling you, I'm not lying. All of a sudden, I felt acceleration again. And let me tell you, we rolled into that gas station. We rolled into that gas station, and it was a miracle. I'm going to tell you, I really believe, I know it was a miracle, uh, because I'm telling you, it was nothing happening for a while. And then I'm t I think it was God's spirit just poured some, a drop of gas in there before. Uh, but it was funny because we get out the, out of the car in that gas station, and all the guys get out, and they're, like, flexing. like, that's my God. And you're like, that's you. That's why I serve Jesus. And so... It was, a, it, was a really cool, it was a really cool moment of faith for him, seeing that, hey, you know what, miracles still happen. Even if it's just getting us there, God always provides, right? God always provides. But what we're going to talk about tonight is, and I'm going to sit down because it's been a long day. What I'm going to talk about tonight is I don't believe that there's a formula to faith. I don't believe there's a blueprint to faith. I don't think that... You know, there's steps one, two, and three. But what I do believe is that there's a format. There's a way you can format your life to experience more of God's power in your life, right? I believe there's a way you can create an atmosphere of faith or 
create a, uh, this good ground for faith to prosper. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight because the phrase that really caught me um, when I was reading scripture uh, was when Jesus looked at that woman with the issue of blood and he said, daughter, your faith has made you healed. Like your faith has healed you. So maybe, really the thought for tonight is maybe it's not a lack of God's power. Maybe it's a lack of human faith. Right, that's the thought. Like maybe it's not that God doesn't care about us. Maybe it's not, maybe it's we don't believe enough. Right, maybe it's not that God doesn't care enough. Maybe we don't believe enough. And so we're going to be talking about ways to format our life so that faith can prosper. And um, so we're going to kick off by talking about this woman who was suffering from a hemorrhage. Um, there's a lot of different ways, uh, issue of blood, uh, we're talking about discharge of blood. Basically, this woman, it says that she spent all her livelihood, she spent all she had on physicians and doctors to make her healed, and it said that nothing worked. It said nothing worked. For 12 years, she spent everything she had, and nothing uh, worked. But let me tell you something, like, if your solution isn't Jesus, that's just a sign to me that you're never going to solve your problems. You're just going to prolong your problems, right? The longer you wait to turn to God for your problems, the longer that problem is going to last in your life. And I think that's something that uh, the woman first learned and said, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I've been trying for 12 years. I cannot do this on my own. See, there, there are some issues that we are going to encounter in our lives that only can be solved by God. Only can be solved by God. And I think Jesus does that for a reason, right? Because that's why we need faith. If we could live life without God, there would be no reason to have faith. But I think there's going to be some issues in our life that we are going to encounter that are going to require God's power. And it's not going to be, like, it's not going to require a self-help book or a new diet or a new relationship. It's going to require God's power. So this woman, she exhausted all her money um, to be healed from this uh, disease. It also says that, um, this woman, uh, back in that day, the superstition was that if you had a disease and you touched somebody, you gave them that disease. So basically, when you had a disease that severe, you were kicked out of society. Nobody wanted to touch you. Nobody wanted to be with you. Um, even your family, you know, discarded you. Um, like you had no friends. You were alone. You were at the bottom of society in that day when you had that kind of disease because that was a superstition in, in those days is that, you know, you, that's how it was transferred was by touch. And uh, so she had lost all her friends, been separated from her family. Like this, this disease has taken everything from her. And so this woman, running out of options, um, spent all her money, hears about this man named Jesus is coming to Capernaum, right? And not only that, she, she is so desperate because she has ran out of everything. It says that she was crawling through a crowd just to touch the hem of his garment. Just to, not even just to see him or not to talk to him or, or get God to give her five minutes of focus. Just to graze the end of his clothing. So the first format you know, we're going to talk about that we need to do is we need to build our, our faith or we need to live a life full of desperation. Being, being desperate for him. The, the first format we're going to talk about and what the woman was is that she lived a life full of desperation. You see, I, don't want, I want to live my life not based on, my, on, on how I know to do things. I want to live my life based on who I know. Right? I, I want to go from trying to solve my problems from a how to a who. 
And that's the first thing is, right, I don't want to live my life based on my know-how. I want to live my life based on my know-who, right? Like, I, I want to step up to a problem and say, say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know who is, right? I don't really know step one, two, and three, but I know who you are. I know you have the power, so I'm not going to trust what I know. I'm going to trust who you are, right? That's desperation. I believe that if we live that life of desperation and say, you know what, God, there is no plan B. You're the only plan. We're going to see more miracles take place in our lives. Amen? I believe that if we live a life full of desperation like that woman did, we're going to see more miracles in our life. Because, see, that woman, it says that she was going through a crowd. She was, she was making her way. Because you got to remember, Jesus is a superstar now. Everybody knows who he is. So it's kind of like you trying to touch Justin Bieber. Right, and who knows, with a crowd like a thousand people, who knows, it's going to be hard, right? But she was that desperate. She was crawling on her hands and knees just to touch the edge of her garment. She was desperate for Jesus, right? She was desperate for him. It says that she was, she was going, and you got to remember, you got to see this picture as I'm seeing it. There's people all around him touching Jesus, pushing Jesus, trying to touch him. But all of a sudden, he notices that one woman who touches, not even, not even his body, it says that a tassel, dragging along the ground, she just touches the edge of that tassel. He, there's no way you can feel that, right? It's like, it's like me, you know, you know touching like a, you have a shoelace that's, you know, hanging in the back of me, barely tapping it. Like, you, there's no way you can feel that, right? So people are all pressing on Jesus, and, and it's, nothing's happening. But he says, who touched me after that woman out of desperation just grazed the edge of his garment? Because, see, God doesn't appreciate a dull touch. He, 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 he sees the desperate touch, right? Because you can see all these people, right, were pushing on him, pushing on him. They're touching him. And even Peter said, Jesus, why are you asking, like, like a dumb question? Dozens of people are touching you right now, and you're asking who touched me? But it's desperation that grabs Jesus' heart. It's that desperate touch, not the dull touch. Amen, church? Is that good stuff tonight? It's that, it's that touch you're saying, Jesus, I need you with all my spirit, all my being. There is no plan B. I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. you got to be like that. I'm just seeing that, that desperate woman. She said, you know what? I've tried it all. I spent all my money. I've been kicked out of my family. I'm at the lowest of society. I have nothing left. I am desperate for his touch. And she's crawling, right? She has no more pride, right? She has no more uh, uh, priorities above God. She's saying, you know what? I don't care what it takes. I don't care how it takes it. I'm going to get in the presence of God. Let me tell you something, church. If we live our life with that kind of desperation, you're going to see God move in your life. You're going to see God move, and you're going to see relationships be restored. You're going to see miracles take place when you live a life saying, you know what, God? I don't need this world. I just need you. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. First thing, the first format that we're going to live with is we've got to live with desperation for him. We got to know, you know what, God, I need more of you. You know what, I need you everywhere. I don't need you just in, my, in, 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 in the good times. I need you in the bad times. I need you in every time of my life. I don't want to live life just, you know, having God as a seasoning. I want God to be the main course meal. Amen. Amen. You got to live your life with desperation, with desperation. You see, Jesus and that's what I think is so crazy, right? It's such a crazy thought. People are pushing on him, but Jesus feels that touch on the edge of his garment. Tell you, all it takes is that desperate touch, just reaching out to him, and Jesus is always going to answer you. Jesus is always going to answer you. So that's the first thing is 
desperation. Desperation. We've got to live life with desperation. And so as we continue with the story, so all the while this woman is being healed, um, and the miracle of her life is taking place, and, and she's having her moment. And it said that, right, Jesus called her out. She, he's, you know, Jesus said, who touched me? And eventually she stepped up and started telling people her story. All the while this is happening, Jairus, right, we kind of forgot about him, is waiting there. Uh, he's waiting there watching this woman get healed while his only daughter is dying back home. So it's kind of like this Jairus, as y'all remember, remember, it says he was a synagogue leader. Basically means he's a pastor. So this pastor, leader of the community, the highest of society, is put on a hold for the lowest of society, right? And it says that he's standing on the side, watching it take place, all while knowing that his daughter is back home taking her last breath. But not once did Jairus get up and, and, and grab Jesus and say, hey, stop what you're doing. She, she, nobody cares about her. My daughter, she, she's dying back home. Stop what you're doing. You can take care of her later. But, but I, look, she just has a disease. My daughter is dying, right? He could have done that. He could have just taken Jesus and said, no, me first, right? He, he could have said, he said, no, Jesus, take care of me. I, don't take care of her. She, remember, she's lowest of the lows. I'm a pastor, right? She, nobody even cares about her. Nobody would notice if she died. My daughter back home, that's my only little girl. Go help her first, right? And some people would almost see the reasoning behind that. But he didn't. It says Jairus stood there and he just waited. And, and nowhere is it recorded that he had a bad attitude. Nowhere is it, is it recorded that he had his arms crossed. The second format to live a life of faith is to live a life of celebration. Live a life of celebration. See, if we have to celebrate others' miracles and victories. So I'm saying we have to we have to celebrate our brothers and sisters. You see, if if we fail to celebrate others' miracles and we go the step further and we condemn them or we say they don't deserve it, you're never gonna see your miracle. If you if if you live a life and you say, Oh, why did he get that raise? Why did he get that job? Why did she get that? You're never gonna get what what you need. Because you're not celebrating others. You're not celebrating your brothers and sisters. Because I believe that if Jairus would have took Jesus and said, hey, stop what you're doing, me first, her later, I don't think his daughter, I think his daughter would have took her last breath and died. But no, he, he said he stood to the back and he just waited, right? And, and, and he watched it and he, he didn't take any priority and he, he celebrated. We have to learn to celebrate others. The best way to miss out on a breakthrough in your life is to be critical and negative about somebody else's breakthrough, right? Just saying, oh, about time they're not addicted anymore, right? Oh, oh, about time she's married or about time so-and-so graduated. I'm telling you, the quickest way to be stuck in life is to keep that selfish, non-negative attitude in your life. If you want faith to prosper, celebrate others, church. Celebrate others. Live a life of celebration. Man, celebrate when, when, when make, sure, make sure not only to, to celebrate others' miracles, make sure to celebrate your own miracles. Because I, I, I can't tell you how many people I talk to who they have this good thing happen to them. They say, oh, yeah, that happened, but I still got this problem. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was great and all, but I still got to take care of this and pay that. I'm glad God did that for me. Who knows God's not going to take care of those things. 
if you see God's miracles and breakthroughs take place in your life and you don't even care about it, why would, why would God do something for you again if you're not going to give any of the glory back to him, right? We're meant to celebrate others and others' victories. Amen, church. You see, and you might be saying, well, Caleb, something good hasn't happened to me in three years. Well, let me encourage you. Every breath you take is a blessing, right? Every day you wake up, every morning you see is a miracle. Amen. Because who knows that today is the day, right, the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. So every day, I'm telling you, live a life of celebration and just wake up. I'm telling you, it will change your life. If you wake up, say, God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for giving me another day. Thank you for giving me another breath. I'm telling you, if you do that and you celebrate the little things and you give God the credit for the little things, he's going to give you those big things. He's going to give you those big miracles. But if you can't handle your day-to-day, how is God going to give you something that has so much weight and priority and responsibility, right? You have to learn to celebrate. Live a life of celebration. Live a life of celebration. Amen? Amen. So as we continue, so... As we read, Jairus, you know, he's waiting patiently to the side. And he's watching this woman get healed. And all of a sudden, somebody comes up, taps him on the shoulder, and says, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Do not bother Jesus anymore. There's no point. Your daughter is dead back home. But Jesus turned to him, and what he said, he said, do not be afraid. Just believe, and she'd be healed. Right? He said, hey, Jairus. I know your daughter's dead, but just don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. The third and final format to live your life of faith is to live a life of anticipation. Live a life of anticipation. See, I don't want to live life, right, fearing the worst is going to happen every day. Right? I don't want to live a life fearing and anticipating that my day it's going to be bad, just like yesterday and the day before. And might as well not even wake up this morning because it's going to be bad again. Well, no wonder, right? If you have that perspective that every day and every moment of your life is going to be bad, I mean, that's not anybody else's fault but yours. Right? I want to live a life waking up and seeing the best, right, and hoping for the best and believing the best is going to take place and anticipating that God is going to take care of me. You see, all fear really is is just faith in reverse. That's all fear really is. See, fear is having faith that the worst is going to happen to you. Fear is saying, hey, you know what? I know it would take a lot of things going wrong for this to happen, but I think that's going to happen. You know, I know it would basically take a miracle for this bad thing to take place, and, but I think it's going to happen. You fear the worst to happen, and you don't even think about the best taking place in your life. See, fear is the opposite of faith. But see, faith it's the belief that the best is going to happen, but fear is believing that the worst is going to happen. But let me encourage you, right? Who, who hates to be around those people, not hates, dislikes to be around those people? Forgive me, Jesus. Um, who, they walk into the room, and they suck all the energy out of the room. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they walk into the room, and you're like, oh, well, and they're just complaining about this, complaining about that, complaining about the weather, complaining about traffic, complaining about complaining. Oh, I'm complaining all day today. They say, if they find a reason to complain, they're going to find it. You know, who, who, who doesn't like to be around those people? Let me, say, don't, let me encourage you, don't be a Debbie Downer, right? Don't be a negative Nancy. Be the leader, that, that, be, the leader be the Christian, be the follower of Christ that sees the best 
in everything. That she's the best in the relationships around you. Because let me tell you something that people don't really realize. If you look and you inspect for the bad things, you're going to find them. Let me tell you something. If you look for the worst in every situation, you're going to find it. And you're not, you're not going to fail. You're not going to all of a sudden look, look, and you're going to get your magnifying glass and look at every situation and say, oh, you know what? This is perfect right here. You're never going to find that. You know, if you look for the worst in every situation, you're going to find it. You're going to find it. You're going to find reasons not to do it. You're going to find reasons not to believe. You're going to find reasons to live in fear, backed up in a corner right where the enemy wants you, right? And you're going to be in your corner thinking you're safe when really you're restricted, right? Thinking that you have it all together when really the enemy has you right where you want it, wants you, which is not doing anything, sitting on your hands, too scared to step outside because you just think, well, this might happen, that might happen, this might happen. Let me tell you something. If you have that perspective, you're always going to find a flaw or a failure in every situation. But this is what encourages me. If you flip it and you try to find the best in every situation, you're going to find it. You're going to find it. They say, hey, you know what? I know my, you know, tire blew out just now. But, hey, you know what? This guy's coming over. I'm, I'm going to talk to him, and, and I'm going to have a good day, you know? You, know, you can find it. I'm telling you if, you, if you find the best in every situation, you're going to find it. You're going to find it. And here's something that you're going to realize real quick is that your life's a whole lot better when you're looking for the best in every situation. Amen? Amen? I mean, who loves being around those people who right when they walk into the room, it feels better. How do you feel encouraged, right? They don't walk in bringing problems. They walk in bringing solutions and joy and love, right? Those are the kinds of people that God has called us to be, right? Not negative Nancys, right? Not Debbie Downers, right? Right? People of faith anticipating for the best to happen in our lives. Amen, church. Are y'all enjoying tonight? Are y'all enjoying tonight? As I'm closing, I'm going to close with this scripture. Alicia, you want to help me out? I'm going to close with Acts 10, 34 through 36, and it reads this. It says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God sows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right and acceptable to him. So I'm going to leave you with this thought. Faith does not discriminate. Faith does not discriminate. And if you, if you really truly get a revelation of what that means, that is mean. It does that God doesn't care who you are. God doesn't care if you're the pastor of the city or the lowest of the low of the city. If you come with faith, God's going to answer you. I, I, I want y'all to understand if it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher or an engineer. It doesn't matter who you are. God doesn't care who you are. Yeah, God doesn't care. All he cares about is are you bringing faith? Do you believe? Are you desperate for my presence? Are, are you celebrating your brothers and sisters? Are you anticipating the best to happen. That's what God sees. That faith does not discriminate. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.